You are listening to another Always Moto production. So you picked up a new bike. Where do you start with the adjustments and setup? What parts should you get for it? What about your riding gear? Which gear do you actually need? Don't stress, the Always Moto Inspected podcast starts now. podcast episode 30 this is a interview that we recorded with marco yukota the ceo and co-founder of flux performance motorcycles uh, we have had a little delay in this one unfortunately we tried to record this a couple of months ago before my injury um, we had some i had some technical difficulties i should say i had some technical difficulties in terms of the recording we lost um, for some reason marco's uh, microphone didn't pick up in our recording at the time and we only had one side of the interview which really sucked and it was disappointing we had some good content there but we've managed to get back together post my injury uh, and we've been able to talk through where flux performance is up to in terms of their production of their new motorcycle they call the Primo, which is their pre-production version. Marco's got some awesome information here about the electric bike technology, the the movement, what their flux is all about, what they're trying to do with their specific bike and the, some of the componentries, with a lot of battery talk in this, obviously. Um, but Marco has a great interview here. We've got about two hours of content here um, and we cover a hell of a lot of stuff. It's worth listening to. And for those of you that want to find out more about the Flux Moto, um, the performance motorcycle, go to over to their website. It's fluxmoto.co. Um, you can sign up to have a test ride of the bike. You can also sign up to put down a, um, a pre-purchase. Um, so you put down a deposit of 50 euros to be on their list, to be one of the first to have one of these uh, Flux performance motorcycles when they're ready in about... 18 months to two years um, but it's also then you're showing your support for the flux guys to get through this initial production phase or, or you know creation phase that they're going through um, and by the sounds of it they're doing quite well they're very close to actually riding this bike for the first time uh, it's just sitting there in the garage by the sounds of it red just waiting for a few couple of uh, electronic updates to to come through so that it's all connected and then they're good to go so i expect to see some little you know, snippets and stuff starting to come out from these guys about where they're up to in the next few weeks and hopefully it'll create some more buzz. But ideally we want to be signing up to their test ride and, and to, you know, putting pre-purchases pre, you know, pre in, in place for them. Um, and, and they're looking for test ride locations. So that's part of their sign-up process. So they want to know where the people are bulk, you know, the bulk of people are from. So if we can get a lot of Aussies signing up, it'll be fantastic because they might actually come out and do it here. I doubt it, but... But look, it's something worthwhile um, if they've got a lot of interest from the Australian market that will, will help things for us getting them out here as well. Um, but look, ideally, this is just a look into the future for everybody. Electric motorcycles are coming. We've had that Stark introduction and you can listen to that episode for, from us here on the Always Moto podcast about the Stark Varg introduction. And this is, you know, this is the steps just before that. Ideally, sometime next year, we might be actually be heading over to Flux 
Flux Performance in Slovenia to go for a, you know, a ride uh, on their bike. We'll have to wait and see. But check out this interview. Marco's a great interview. He's got a lot of information and passion for the sport. He's a long-time moto rider. Um, and look, we just can't wait to see this Flux moto actually come to life and actually see some images and some videos of it in the very near future. So check out this interview. It's uh, coming up right now. All right, guys and girls, now on the Always Moto podcast, another interesting interview for you guys to listen to and get some insight into some of the future things that are coming to the world of motorcycling. Uh, we tried to do this a couple of months back, uh, had a couple of technical issues, which I can't believe stuffed up somehow, but they did. Uh, but we've got him back on the line to go through it all again and hopefully with some updated information about where the company's up to and where this bike might be, might be getting seen at next or first. Uh, so we've got on the line from Flux Performance Motorcycles, it's the CEO and co-founder, Marco Yukoda. How you doing, Marco? Hi, I'm doing uh, great. That's awesome. Thanks, thanks for having me. No, I appreciate the time and, and, and the double time. Uh, as I said in the introduction there, we've done this previously. <laughs> we had to stuff up on my end and I apologize for that. But uh, hopefully today we're, uh, we're cooking with gas and we can get it done properly. Yeah, let's say it was uh, general practice the first time around and now will be much better. <laughs> exactly. Let's go with that. Yep, definitely. All right. Well, let's, um, let's jump straight into it. Um, who is Flux Performance Motorcycles? Yeah, uh, we're, uh, we're a startup from uh, Slovenia and Europe. Uh, for those who maybe don't know where that is, um, it's uh, the country of uh, Krapovic Exhaust Systems and Tim Geiser, the world champion uh, motocross guy, um, and also Trump's wife. Uh, but we don't uh, <laughs> kind of uh, don't want to admit put, that too put often. That out too much. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's not one of our best exports, let's yeah. say. But yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, so we're a team of uh, four people currently. Um, so it's me and my three other co-founders. And uh, yeah, we're basically just chipping away at the first prototype. Nice. Okay. And, and I thought of this one after we, we'd spoken last time, but the, the name Flux um, and Flux Performance, did that, that didn't have anything to do with obviously this being an electric bike and being futuristic. It didn't come from like Back to the Future with a Flux capacitor or anything here, did it? Where, where'd the name come from? <laughs> well, it kind, kind of it did. So uh, to be honest, we were looking at something that doesn't really say electric, Yep. Uh, because uh, we are kind of tired of the whole uh, narrative of electric, electric, electric all the time. Yep. And we wanted something that kind of sounds cool, but it's still referring to the electric drive in a non-direct way. Yep. So flux came as an idea. And then in uh, physics, basically flux is, uh, is the vector showing the direction of a medium through a plane <laughs> so basically ah. uh, it's we, we're saying that uh, we are uh, showing the direction of performance uh, with our work very cool okay yeah so yeah it does sort of have a little bit of a reference there no that's i figured the flux was definitely the electric side of things and it's interesting that you say that you're trying to move away from being like that you know like labeled electric motorcycles i guess in time we just want this to be known as a 
as a motorcycle or a you know a, a bike that you, you're riding it doesn't have to be electric or four stroke or two stroke anymore it's just a, a bike you're going out so that's yeah you're obviously trying to get away from that stigmatism yeah that's, yeah, that's that's a big thing actually uh i think it's a used up trope the i mean i still personally believe that uh we need to make some big changes uh for the climate but fear-mongering and kind of uh, forcing people against their will into it, yeah. I don't think is a thing that works. And I think we pushed it as far as it can go. And now it's actually <laughs> being pushed from the other side. So we're getting the, the negative effect. So um, I'm, I'm trying to put that all aside. And it's up to us, you know, to develop the tech that will make the environmental choice the easy choice. So you're not saying, okay, I need to make a sacrifice for the planet. So instead of uh, working my ass off all week, I'm going to buy an expensive bike that doesn't really uh, go very fast because it's electric. Mm. I'm saying now you don't need to choose between mean and green. Now you can have it all with the flux motorcycle. Yeah, nice. Okay. Um, yeah, it makes it makes a lot of sense that you're trying to get away from that a bit, so that you can just be just blend into the background and be another option for you to ride. So, nice. So, well, with the yeah. with the with the company, like, how do you get this going? Like, at what point do you sit down and go, "I'm going to make a motorcycle and I'm going to put this into some sort of mass production and completely change yeah. the focus of how this actually happens"? Like, it's not just a combustion engine anymore. You're going, let's go futuristic and you know, were you just sitting at the pub having a beer and going, geez, this sounds like a great idea with a couple of mates and they all go, yeah, 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 and they egg you on and next thing you know, you're, you're in the garage with a soldering iron or, or what's happening there? <laughs> well, uh, not really. Uh, this is a thing that, that has been kind of gnawing at me the last, I think, 12 years now. Um, actually, when I, I started riding motorcycles kind of late, Yep. And I uh, kind of, I didn't have family support, so I kind of had to do all my racing program myself. So I knew firsthand of how difficult it is, and especially how difficult it is for a person who's not, let's say, in the loop, an external person to come into it. Um, with all the maintenance, the expenses, the noise problems. And um, basically already in high school, I was excited about uh, the electric propulsion basically solving all of these problems. Mm -hmm. And uh, then in uh, university, uh, when I was studying engineering, we set up a little team and made a prototype super motorbike. It was low power because that was the only feasible thing at the time. Yeah. And we kind of played around with it. We, we got some awards, but uh, realistically, the battery tech was just not there yet so now 10 years have passed uh the battery prices have gone down uh 90 percent and the capacity has gone up uh third uh three times so 300 wow. percent so big yeah. big changes to the automobile industry uh revolution going um and yeah so first i was just uh I was frustrated with all of the bikes that are out there. I think uh, most of the electric bikes suck, to, to put it bluntly. <laughs> I was really, really... <laughs> yeah, uh, no, no PC from, from me, unfortunately. Um, so 
I was really excited about Ulta. Yep. Uh, they were, in my opinion, the first company that really gets it and that really made a great and compelling product. And also what they did that was incredible was actually put it to mass production and produce it reliably, as you can see with all the bikes that are still running around. So they were they were a huge thing and then they closed <laughs> in 2018 yeah they disappeared pretty and quick at that was... point didn't they <laughs> yeah yeah it was kind of all swept under the rug and nobody everybody was under ndas yep uh so uh then again there was this huge hole in the market um used altas were being sold for more money than what they were costing new which meant that people were really really excited about them but couldn't get them yeah and uh, then basically for my regular engineering work i uh, met up with my co-founders doing other projects and uh, i recognized their talent and their background is aerospace uh, they're basically um, developing electric aircraft VTOLs and uh, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. uh, so they have a ton of experience in electric propulsion, especially uh, aircraft have the same problems as motorcycles. You know, the, the weight and the size yep. is always a problem with aircraft. Yeah, yep. can't be carrying uh, anything so extra the there. Solutions. Exactly. So they have already a lot of solutions and thought going into mitigating that. Uh, so we kind of got to talking because of my whole background from university and we put down some numbers and it kind of seemed feasible. And then I went in to analyze some of my uh, data from various tracks and we put it into some more concrete numbers. And we said, uh, wow, this, this is feasible. We could actually make something happen that would be and uh and uh and satisfy the need of the customer so to say and nobody seemed to be doing anything so we kind of set up the company <laughs> out of the out of the bat yeah and uh, here we are today <clears throat> so those those three partners that you're talking about there are they have they got any like background interest in in motorcycling do they do they ride did that did they ride um or they just you know so that the skill set uh, yeah so one of them does uh one of them uh, uh also did some amateur racing uh he's a mechanic and his main experience is in vehicle homologation yep uh the guys from aerospace no they they don't basically know anything about motorcycles but they know everything about electric propulsion okay all right <laughs> so it's uh, <laughs> Have they it's have really they got on a bike then since? Like they're now developing a motorcycle. Are they have they got an interest in the two wheels yet or not? <laughs> yeah, now they got the bug. You know, they they tried a couple of my bikes and uh, they got excited. They they did their driver's license now and are looking to to do something. Uh, one of them bought a, a little dirt bike for his kid, so. Yeah, they're infected. <laughs> yeah, nice. It doesn't take long, but I'm just wondering if they did actually get to that point or not. Sometimes people are just completely immune. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. It's it's hard to resist. Definitely, definitely. So, at this point, like obviously you're saying like it was just a timing thing for you guys. You saw the hole in the market, Ultra disappeared. Um, you yeah. obviously didn't know about other, peop other brands that started to 
pop out at that same sort of time, like as in the Stark that's now mm-hmm. probably mm-hmm. just probably a tiny bit in front of you guys in that process. But mm-hmm. like why now? Like is it just purely the, the tech is available? Is that where you're at sort of thing, that it's feasible? Like you said, your math sort of added up in terms of it would be con- the consumer would get something, some value from it. Is, is that why now is the, is the time? Yeah, now is, in my opinion, is a historic opportunity even because uh, now the, the tech, thanks to the car electric revolution, is just starting to be feasible. It's not like you can go out and buy solutions, put them on a bike and go. You still have to be really, really good to make something like a competitive dirt bike. Mm-hmm. But it's po- it's physically possible, you know. You can get the battery cells that can get the job done, uh, so to say. And uh, having said that, the big guys like the the KTM's, the Japanese manufacturers, they aren't yet doing anything in this space. So uh, I think I think it's really a unique uh, opportunity in history for startups to kind of get through this little door opening and jam their foot there and uh, get a footing down and expand. Definitely. Yeah. I see it as a chance for you guys to be in front of those, you know, the brands you mentioned, like the, the Yamahas, the Kawasaki's to be in front of them and, and be an existing yep. electric option for the consumer to not then steer away from when the other ones come out. Like you can be there beforehand. You have a history of, of, you know, being pro- produced and hopefully reliable and all that sort of stuff so yeah you could be in front of those guys at this this exactly. time which would be nice <laughs> they're big big corporations it's hard to get in front of them and, and that sort of things yeah in in one i mean in the financial standpoint yeah it's it, they have all the funds in the world right but in the speed and agility standpoint i mean those guys are really, really slow to adapt yep. for regular stuff. I mean, just look at how many years Honda took to just put a hydraulic clutch on the bike. You know? <laughs> uh, and and if, if you think about what uh, motorcycle manufacturers are, they are mainly motor manufacturers. Uh, they don't do basically much more of the vehicle aside from the motor and the chassis. So take away the motor, you're taking away 80% of the company, the infrastructure, the know-how, the patents, the mm-hmm. <laughs> supply chains, yeah, you know. Yeah. So for them, it's a huge, huge, huge uh, turnaround to go into electric. So I presume they will be resisting for as long as possible. And maybe when they do come around, uh, it's it could be just easier maybe to partner with an existing company that is, that is already doing something in the space than to completely overhaul your company like Porsche did with the uh, Rimac cars, for yeah, example. Yeah, true, because obviously you're talking about like they've got an existing warehouse with a production line where, you know, X goes into in the Z and Y and all that sort of stuff for, from mm-hmm. the combustion side of things and they don't they'd have to set up a whole new production line, a whole new factory to get that that stuff done and that's a whole you know whole another expense and like you said to take over an existing thing might be an easier option for them when it comes time so yeah it's interesting to see where that mm-hmm. that side of things could get to but it's just it's for, for me it's exciting to see you know a small group of guys just taking the taking the plunge and trying to do something like this like you know to build a motorcycle is sounds insane but it's 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 obviously possible but i'm assuming you guys are running into a whole bunch of um 
different different supply requirements that you probably never even thought of to begin with yeah i mean it's it's a wild uh, it's wild right so we started off by partnering with uh, certain companies that i won't name that mm-hmm. then just proved to be completely unreliable and uh, not produce results up to our standards so we kind of had to do some things completely from the get from the start ourselves yeah um then for for the for the electronic stuff it's not such a problem because the know-how that we actually have in the team so okay. we aren't uh most companies they rent an external company they buy the solution you know make the motor make the inverter and mm-hmm. such and such but uh for us we're actually every every circuit board on the motorcycle is our proprietary design so it oh, every circuit was uh, designed uh, by our guys programmed by our guys firmware designed by our guys and yeah that makes it uh much easier to control everything uh it makes it easier to make the right decisions when you bump into a problem and it makes it easier to mitigate uh supply chain issues because uh especially on the electronic side on the chip side you know there's a global chip shortage so if you have an outside contractor you he designs you let's say he designs a battery management system for you mm-hmm. and one of the chips isn't available what you're going to do uh, they don't care they're not going to yeah. change the program for you or you're going to have to wait in line to to be <laughs> you know yeah. handled and and changes and by that time maybe the the market has changed completely yeah you're vulnerable uh, to outside influences at that point aren't you so it's not you're, you're in not yeah. you're not in control of your own destiny which is difficult to get yes. something going especially now like you know <laughs> You're not, I mean, you're always not in control of your own destiny, but you're not flexible and agile to adapt to changes. That's yeah. what I would say. Yeah, that's well put. So actually. we were able to, yeah, so we were able to, let's say this chip isn't available. Okay, we need another chip, change the firmware and change the BMS uh, structure and work around it. Mm. There are obviously delays still there, but it's not a five-month delay that would be. Yeah. Uh, in other scenarios, it's a one-month delay. Yeah. Nice. Okay. All right. So, in the at the start of all this, obviously, you know, most businesses they lay out what they want to be in, you know, two years, three years, five years, all that sort of stuff. What's the goal for Flux? Yeah. Like, where do you see yourself in in like five years or ten years? Is this a is this a thing that's competing with, you know, the the or overtaken the the Yamahas of the world, uh, you know, or where do you see this in the you know in the future for you guys? What's the what's the goal? KTM of electric motorcycles. Nice. <laughs> okay, and that's pretty impressive because KTM's pretty damn big at the moment. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I think that's the easiest way to to explain it. We're not we're not intending to go into sport bikes anytime soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think off road will be a big uh, anchor point for quite some time because of the battery technology. With the sport bike, I mean, to make a sport bike 
uh, driven by electricity competitive, it's going to have to weigh 300 kilos Ouch. and you're not going to go very far with it. And it doesn't mesh with our ethos on making the better bike period, you know, okay. yep. uh, but not in, in off-road, you know, the, the power you can, the, the average power you're actually using is quite a bit lower. So it's feasible. And I think there's a lot of space in the whole off-road market to kind of uh, expand to other models and maybe have some uh, urban models also. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, that's, that's the general idea. And there's a, I gather that sits with where your sort of your background in motorcycling comes from too. Like you're an off-road dirt dirt rider, so you probably probably focus more into that range as well because that's something you're probably comfortable with and, and understand. I gather. Yeah, that's that's my uh, immediate group. I mean, my background is uh, supermoto racing, but I do I ride mostly motocross these days. Mm -hmm. Uh, so it's it's a space where I'm most comfortable in, where I understand the customer the best, yep. and where I also believe that there is the most immediate value proposition in electric okay. uh, from all segments. Yeah, <laughs> fair enough. And I, that's obviously because there's nothing really there in that market space at this point in time, yeah? Yeah, and because of the, the actual pain points, you know, there is no other segment that suffers so much from noise and maintenance costs than off-road, I believe. I mean, motocross, enduro, and supermoto. Yeah, definitely on that. <laughs> That's definitely a, an aspect. Like, obviously, the noise one, we have tracks shut down all the time, uh, particularly the motocross tracks, but, yeah. but two, then that maintenance side of things, yeah, yeah. You're not long between an oil change. You've, you know, if in a dry season, you're very much having oil fil air filters. You know, every other every other ride or every ride, um, tires and all that sort of stuff go through. You know, there's a lot to go with it. Pistons and and yeah, um, oil filters, all that sort of stuff get done quite frequently in that space. And and you know, in lots of cases for for the off road rider, not so much the motocrosser, but like you might be doing those in in work periods or something in an event or you know quite regularly so yeah, mm -hmm. there's a lot um self self-taught mechanics there so <laughs> yeah yeah and and you're basically almost one hour of uh mechanic work for two hours of riding you know it's it's quite extreme as you said the noise is is a problem yeah for motocross tracks but also for trails you know because if uh, where I live here, if I go ride with my motorcycle in the woods, mm -hmm. I mean, it's going to be, I'm going to do that once or twice. And the third time I'm going to have the SWAT team waiting yeah. for me with machine gun. Because <laughs> nice. the neighbors are going yeah, to call them because they're bothered, of course, by noise. Yeah. If you are a stealthy, silent operator and you can kind of fly under the radar, the the freedom just becomes so much bigger and isn't that almost the point of why we ride motorcycles well yeah that, that freedom feeling is definitely <clears throat> the most uh you know, most exciting part of all this and if nobody's not nobody's there to to stop you then yeah even more so so definitely yeah it's uh, hopefully something that can allow us to be you know using more of those trail spaces and stuff that we probably haven't been into for years and years so yeah that'd be that'd be a big part of all yeah. this so let's um yeah and also <coughs> if, if i can just remark also mm. For, for expansion, you know, uh, off-road is a big market, but to be fair, most people don't know we exist, right? And that's a problem for sponsors, that's a problem for 
for getting basically new people in and the problem is the barrier to entry is so high because you basically need to be a mechanic and you need to understand a lot of things and they might you might take them for granted if you are kind of born into it or if you have a lot of friends that do it but i can tell you from my point of view from a kid growing up in the city uh it's it's a huge huge barrier to entry so if you have a bike that you just push a button twist the throttle and you're riding and it's really easy to maintain and it's really intuitive to ride there are so many new people that can come into the sport um, and really make it grow and uh, if the sport grows there are going to be a lot more sponsors for racers so you don't have kids risking their lives for peanuts on the weekends yeah that would be nice because um, that's a massive aspect of, of what um <laughs> what our sport goes through isn't it they're all out there you know getting injured and there's not much not much uh, financial gain on on any of this for for the majority of the of the uh, of the field let's say so um yeah. and and you're yeah. right no, the people trying to get into our sport you generally are, are born into it as in you know your dad rode um, or your uncle rides, or something along those lines. Isn't you're not going to just all of a sudden stumble across it, especially like you mentioned. You live, grew up in the city. It's you can't find a track in the city, so you're not going to just walk past exactly. one day and be like, "Oh, look at that! That looks cool. I, I want to try that." That's <laughs> not happening. You've got to go and find it. So yeah, you have to be born into it to to sort of become a motorcycle enthusiast, don't you? Yeah, yeah, exactly, and that's a huge problem. And uh, it can be solved, in my opinion, with electric bikes. I think it would help a lot because you could literally plonk plonk a track pretty much anywhere, and then, like we said, you could just you yep. could stumble across it and and become a, an enthusiast of of at least watching it. And then, you know, if the bike, like you said, is is simple to ride and, in, and intuitive, well, then it's going to become more like just learning to ride a push bike. Probably even easier because you don't have to worry about the the balance while your legs are going around and around. Um, and it, yeah, people would actually try it and, and enjoy it, and yeah, become more involved yeah, in I it. I think so. There can be a whole market of people just you know having an off road bike and going for a nice easy trail ride in nature, or when they go camping for 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 example, you know they want a bike that doesn't make noise, that doesn't pollute, and that can fit rides right in there um, and all of those people are going to be buying then aftermarket parts all of those people are consequently going to be interested at least somewhat in the sport and might be then followers of the sport uh, just just look at at bicycles at how huge that market has become from basically being nothing 20 years ago yeah, well, and, and like how much it's exploded with the e-bike movement that they're all, you know, yeah. the, the overweight people are now getting onto an e-bike because all of a sudden it's easy to cycle. Um, and then they're realizing yeah. the massive benefits and the outdoors and finding all these new places to go and meeting new people. So, yeah, it's the, that e-bike thing, especially in the last, you know, few years has really gone nuts in the, in the cycling industry. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's all new people in the market. It's all more units sold. Mm -hmm. And that means more sponsors for racers. That's that's just the bottom line. Yeah, definitely. No, it's, 
it sounds wonderful. It's just a matter of, um, you know, we've got to get past this initial movement of getting them into the market and then, yeah, the, I think the rest will fall into place. But it's just, yeah, we've got to, yeah, we've got to need that's another three or five years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, well, the, the, trend, the trend is there. <clears throat> exactly, yeah. So like you sort of mentioned there, like obviously those things are sort of, um, in terms of going around with the, with the bike, like you mentioned, going into the forest and going for rides and getting these new groups of people into them. Obviously, they're not going to be to start with at least into the sort of the racing side of things but for your bike that you you've put out these um you know these uh prototype images of on on the website and stuff mm. you've got like the the motocross looking version you've got like the enduro looking version with the headlight and taillight side of things is what is the intention mm-hmm. for these two models for you are, are, is is like that motocross bike a race bike or is it is it a is it sort of like a, a almost race bike as in it's more of just for the you know the the third tier sort of guy to to go out and enjoy his race racing and riding on but not necessarily performance racing at the highest level or or where is these bikes intended for in 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 this initial you know push out for you guys yeah no they are placed right right on top with a massive focus on performance okay um they they have to be better better in every way than all the guest competitors and we are aiming with everything to basically push out the the last grams of of performance possible um i mentioned new people coming into it Mm -hmm. but uh, uh if we take just ktm uh for for the example they are also they are always pushing to be the best obviously yeah and uh also the weekend rider that goes out and spends his money he wants to buy the best product he doesn't want to buy something you know whatever (laughs) he's probably worked his ass off to earn that money and he wants to spend it on something that is the best and that's what we want to be. Okay, because I, I look at some of these uh, you know, existing electric bikes in the market, and they look so weird. They're not necessarily, yeah. um, you know, up to scratch on some of the other componentry. You know, like you, you look at the suspension don't, and you're like, what? Even. What is this? Like, I've never seen this before. Like, where did this come from? Like, you know, at least, you know, when you talk like a KDM brand, you're looking at like XL rims, and you've got WP suspension or or, you know, like the Shirkos and yep. stuff have got KYB suspension. So you, you, at least they're brand names you've heard yeah. of when you look at the motorcycle. It, it, these ones that exist yeah, at the moment, I mean, they, they're just, I, I hate to say the word, but like that China crap side of looking thing where you're like, what is this? Where did it come from? <laughs> Hopefully, is that, that's yeah, obviously yeah, not yeah. what you're going for in, in this instance. No, 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 not at all. We're, we're going for the best components, as you can see in the pictures. Uh, we have the KYB forks on there um we have brembo brakes um for the shock we're gonna be first trying out the olins okay. shock uh, but we also have uh, kyb uh, in uh, in the strategy for testing yep. to see which one will basically be better for the production motorcycle and uh, yeah i mean don't get me started on what's out there because <laughs> uh, i just become like an old grumpy man <laughs> but i'm 32 years old so it's not so not healthy. impressed with the current but offerings yeah. obviously <laughs> uh it's 
I, I'm just gonna say it. It's it's stupid, really. Some some things I see out there are just plain stupid. Because if you look at an electric motorcycle, I mean the bill of materials. Most of the cost is the battery, and what remains is the electronics, the inverter, and the motor. Right. The rest of the bike doesn't really cost that much money. So why would somebody then take some really crappy suspension mm -hmm. which is we all know that suspension is one of the most important things on the motorcycle if yep. not the most important yeah uh why are you gonna save a hundred euros and put some crappy suspension on there it it just doesn't make any sense to me but it makes sense because people designing those are usually either economists or yeah electricians or basically people that don't know motorcycles yeah they're not that enthusiast level that's been on them for years and understands what a bike should feel like and how crappy components can just make the ride so so unenjoyable so yeah 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 exactly so all right those those parts then we sort of touched into that with the, with the different components that you mentioned and you've got a good list there of like well-known you know well-established brands for those sorts of things but talk to us about what you're trying to do with with the frame, with like triple clamps, with like motor and swing arm, because I gather all those things are going to be things that you guys have to be in control of the design of um, to make yep. those main parts of the bike. And obviously, then you can bolt on the Brembo brakes or the mm -hmm. or the other or the KYB suspension. Like so, those main mm -hmm. main sections. What what's the things that you're doing, or are you developing those, or have you? Have you brought something in to, to work off for a frame? Like, have you got an, a previous model of something and you've you've bought the frame design and that's what you're working on for this starting point? Or, or how's this working for you guys at this mm -hmm. stage? Yeah, so to to put it in perspective, the first prototype, the, the Primo, is not going to be the production motorcycle. The production motorcycle will be redesigned from the ground up using uh, knowledge that we gain uh, from the Primo. Sure. Uh, so basically the chassis on the Primo is, uh, is uh, let's call it a classic uh, aluminum uh, frame chassis. Um, we are uh, working with an Italian partner that uh, supplies us some building blocks for that. And uh, we basically combine them in our own way and make some changes and the whole rear end we designed ourselves. Um, and that, I, I, I would suppose that it, cyclistically, it would be most like a CRF okay. uh, Honda. Yeah, right. So okay. uh, that, that, that will be our starting point. Um, and then... Uh, yeah, then we basically have to gather a lot of data and do a lot of testing and move uh, ahead for the production model. And and basically uh, redesign the whole frame from that point onwards from what you're saying. Yeah, 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 yeah. because uh, here we had to make some basically sacrifices that were just uh, because of what was available, because... Uh, in our case, we didn't start like uh, we didn't start with several million in the bank like uh, 
<laughs> like Stark did. Yeah, that, that, uh, that was pretty finance. obvious when we went to that into, uh, introduction for them that they obviously had a decent <laughs> starting point from a financial aspect, you know. Yeah. So every, if you guys are starting, just you know, just the four of you, I'm assuming it's not, you know, there's no massive trust fund behind you to, to kick this off. So yeah, it might be a bit of a different <laughs> approach at this point. Yeah, we are we are a grassroots movement, so to say. <laughs> <laughs> it's basically uh, it's basically our own savings uh, thrown into this, and uh, we're gonna have a round of financing uh, in in fall uh, this year. So coming up uh, really really soon. Yeah, nice. Um, but yeah, anyway, returning to the thing. Um, yeah, it has some compromises. Yep. Uh, but what we were really striving to do is to make the battery swappable because a lot of people have expressed the desire to, to have that, obviously. Mm -hmm. uh, so we made that happen even being constrained with the, with the let's say, classic chassis. Yeah, right. And also, another point is that we have the most uh, battery capacity with uh, 6.7 kilowatt hours crammed into there. Yeah. And uh, we use a uh, proprietary cell-to-pack architecture, where basically the the uh, battery pack is hinging on the structure of the cells themselves to give it uh, rigidity. Okay. Uh, and, and in that way, we can achieve the highest energy density. So, how many capacity per kilograms you can achieve? without having to use exotic materials like carbon fiber, magnesium, or, or whatever. Mm -hmm. It's an aluminum casing. Yeah, nice. Okay. So just jump back two seconds for the for the dummies in the room. Um, 6.7 kilowatt hours in, in layman's terms. Yeah. What are we talking about with that number? Is that the, the power? Is that well, the, the overall duration it will run for? Uh, oh, yeah. No, that's the capacity. Yep. Yeah, that's the capacity of the battery. So what that means in real life, that is the hot topic right now, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, well, how long do these things last? And exactly, yeah, it's usually the, the comment with these things. So yes, yeah, so that's why I thought we'd jump back yeah, to that one yeah. specifically. And it's a, it's a, it's a contentious topic because no one knows yet. Obviously, you you had a chance to try and you didn't get a chance to to answer that question um we are taking another approach um we are saying we're not going to make any silly unfounded uh, marketing promises for the mm -hmm. range yeah uh, we are just saying right now we don't know all we can say is we have the biggest battery capacity what that will entail in real usage we're gonna test with the people so basically the people are going to give us uh, use cases and from that data we're going to have realistic ranges for motocross for enduro for all different types of riding so then when we come out with a production bike uh, and we make a claim for the range it's a real range and hopefully by that time we will have established trust with the customer because that's another thing that really grinds my gears <laughs> is that most, most uh, new electric motorcycles that are announced they get some ridiculous range claim that is nowhere near reality and obviously then uh, when it comes to market people are really let down and we we don't want to do that we i think 
being honest to the customer is paramount for our strategy. Well, that's just, you know, uh, trust in the brand, isn't it? At that point, you're trying to develop that trust. It being a new new product, you need to have people understand and believe in you. And, yeah, if you claim something yeah. and then it, they, the first time they get on it, it definitely doesn't work that way. They're going to just go, well, this is this is not true and what's what else is lied on about this thing so yeah you sort of want to have that upfront <laughs> conversation don't you but yeah. i guess like that battery yeah, bit is realistically, realistically range is going to be the biggest uh, problem to solve uh, that's why with this bike we went with a swappable pack because that's one possible way to solve it uh, because we know with the ulta we know the riding is is amazing uh, aside from some issues like being front heavy and suspension mm -hmm. yeah but we know in itself riding an electric dirt bike is amazing but the biggest problem that people had was range yeah uh, so that's going to be the biggest problem going forward and uh, that's yeah that's something that we have to solve but on the range conversation, like on and even on a petrol powered, gas powered, however you want to say it, from you know which continent side, but the everyone's range is different, even with a tank of fuel. Like it, you, yep. lots of people will ride the bike in very different ways, whether they're high in the revs or whether they're they're low in the revs and using a higher gear, so that you know you're lugging the bike or you're revving the, the crap out of yeah. it and going nowhere in a low gear and that affects how much fuel is poured through the injector or through the carby. Uh, yeah. That conversation has been there for years. I don't understand why having a battery <laughs> now changes that and like, oh, well, I can't ride as far. Well, it's the same as it used to be. It's just now in a different form. You, you, how much you twist the throttle depends on how far you go. Yeah, but but it does bring about practical implications because with the gas bike you can just fill it up and and you go along your merry, merry way, whereas with the electric bike the charge time is again another thing mm -hmm. <laughs> to yeah. consider. True, and, there and is also the availability of electricity is a thing to consider. But as you correctly say, it really really varies widely. Uh, so a good measure would be to have a uh, liter of gasoline equivalent. So basically, the what what's what other brands did very cleverly was say it's equal to a full tank of gas. So you kind of are able to gauge what that means mm. for you personally for yeah. your use. Then, if that if that comparison uh, proves to be true or not in real life, I guess we'll just have to see. Yeah, well, that's the wait and see point, isn't it? And get a few data numbers on the board after multiple people have tried it. So, yeah. But jump yeah. back in there yeah. too, because the one thing that I picked up that's different from that Stark model that we got to do the test with is that changeable battery aspect. And like, it sounds like that's your focus is to make it a simple, easy aspect to do. Because for the, for mm. this these types of bikes, obviously being this electric bike, the battery is going to be probably one of the bigger components of of the bike. It's not not a small part. Uh, to have a second battery, mm. it would be awesome, and obviously make the riding part easy. Like you said, you can literally just go, hopefully, click on, click off, and away you go again. But yeah. how expensive is going to be? Is that second battery going to be to have with you? Like I'm I'm thinking in my head that if it's sort of 30% of the bike is it 30% of the cost of the bike that you've got to pay to have it sitting there 
um, or, or, or where does this like? Am I completely out with my 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 rough, you know, really rough math there? Um, <laughs> w- uh, is it going to be feasible yeah, to have a second uh, or a third battery sitting on the back of the truck waiting for you to come back in and switch over? Yeah, not not so very far off. So yeah, that's the that's the flip side of a swappable battery is the cost of the second battery, and of course, it's going to be thirty kilos. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're not going to be able to put it in a backpack and kind of go in the woods and change it as you go. You know? <laughs> It'd be a heavy uh, backpack. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but but it does solve uh, a lot of the problems. Like if you go right on a track where you don't have uh, electricity available, it yep. solves when you have to do a quick pit change in a hair scramble style race. Yep. And then also if you're in a group or in a club or maybe even some far far down the line scenario the track basically has other batteries available and then you just pay some kind of a little surcharge to be able to use that second battery i actually hadn't thought of it like that just have a swap hire sort of system there yeah that'd be an interesting thing for a club to do yeah in that scenario it makes sense and and again i'm really excited to get down to to really testing what it all means and obviously talking to customers and asking them uh to kind of try to handle it and and give them kind of a lowdown of what that that would mean uh, specifically for their use cases and then adapt to that so basically we are either going with a um, easily swappable battery or we're going in a completely different direction that uh, i wouldn't disclose at this time yeah 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 but range solving range is let's say the paramount uh, mission that we are on for the production bike yeah fair enough too yeah no and obviously that's the main conversation with all these batteries sorts of things and funnily enough i don't know if you've you've seen it on on your side of the world with the social media things but there was a a thing doing the rounds recently where where um somebody came up with a a charging mechanism off the back wheel of a car that they'd had it, they'd hooked up another another pulley to to put another belt onto to basically then create a, their own generator on the back of the thing to charge the batteries as they drove. So it's sort of um, the things that have been sort of showing up on the internet lately about how they're solving some of these life of like the range issues. It's, it's amusing, but it's obviously ingenuity yeah. as well. But yeah. Yeah, but it's also a perpetuum mobile. I, I don't know if it translates very well, but uh you it, it doesn't work is is the short version of it yeah sure <laughs> fair enough so it's like putting a dynamo a dynamo on your wheels on your electric dirt bike you know the the amount of energy you're getting from the wheels is less than the increased resistance you're putting on the motor so you're always ah, fair. yeah i hadn't thought of that aspect like because you're loading it aren't you by putting an extra yeah, an extra thing spinning on there. It's extra uh, yeah. load, which means more drain. When so you, yeah, you're basically outdoing yourself at that point, aren't you? Yeah, you just have to always think that energy is constant, and you can't create energy from nothing. So when you are creating some energy from any sort of gimmick that you think of, mm-hmm. think about where there where that energy is coming from, and where you are expending it in order to get that energy. Yeah. So that's 
helps answer the question. Yeah, exactly. No, that makes complete sense. Uh, and obviously, he did this person that uh, did tr- put this on there. The the car that we saw the f- that I've seen the photo of didn't didn't think of that aspect. But anyway, it's uh, interesting things that we get to <laughs> see sometimes. People have some some wild ide- wild ideas out there. So. Um, <laughs> Yeah, well, we live in a post-truth world, don't we? So oh, yeah. everything kind of works for internet points. Well, yeah, exactly. You don't understand it, but it was on the internet, so it must work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so what about for you guys with this, with the battery and stuff? And, and we sort of got there a little bit, but, but charging this battery up, like if you're going to change it over, yeah. that's one thing. That's great. That helps with, you know, obviously riding on the one day. How are, we, how are we charging this? Are we able just to plug this into a general socket at home? Um, are we having to do any modifications? Like I know when you get um, some people have got Tesla cars, they can get a specific Tesla charging point installed in their house to change the, the uh, I believe it's the amps that they're then putting out through that to make it a quicker charge. Um, what's, what's the scenario for you guys? What have you been working on to, to, for the recharge aspect of this bike? Yeah, so uh, with the Primo for the charging, you're going to need a charger. Uh, and that charger then plugs into a socket, uh, whatever's available. Um, we are, uh, we do have the hardware on the battery pack available to have a 30-minute supercharge. And uh, we're going to be testing that. It's obviously you can't do it with a normal socket. You need a three-phase socket with okay. enough. Uh, with, with enough power yeah but uh, the battery itself uh, as we designed it should be able to handle that and maybe even quicker but i guess we're, we're just gonna have to test it and and see um, that's a, another big thing to reduce the charging times because that's a big practical aspect of living with an electric vehicle definitely um, yeah yeah so for the production model we are aiming to have a CCS2 charger on there. Uh, what that means is you're going to be compatible with every public uh, charger or with every electric car charging socket because it's a global standard. Yeah, right nice. Now. Yep, yep. Uh, so, so that's the aim. But yeah, with, with the Primo, you're going to have a separate charger that you just plug in anywhere. And for the speeds, the, the standard charger is going to be one to two hours of charging speed and the fast charging we're going to be testing is going to be 20 to 30 minutes. That's, that sounds nice. So what about the scenario where, we're, where we've taken our two batteries that we've got with the bike and we've, we're out camping and we're, we're riding with, with one of them and we've got the other one on a charge on, say, like just a you know, little generator that you, you know, carry around with you for your normal camping mm-hmm. purposes. How long is it going to take in that scenario? Mm. Like, obviously, the generator is only putting out a smaller amount, you know, than your than your normal household outlet in a general sense. It's probably taking a bit more load yeah. load from it, and unfortunately, well, fuel to run the generator. But would that that would work, wouldn't yeah. it? But it'd take longer, I gather. Yeah, it it completely depends on the power output of of the generator. So yeah, the the battery pack itself is going to be independently chargeable, so it doesn't need to be on the bike to be charged. Mm-hmm. You can charge it uh, separately. Uh, and then for the charge speed, I mean, to get a rough estimate, you can just do the basic math. Let's say 
let's let's i'm sorry for the listeners to be introducing math but uh, bear with me <laughs> they, they can get out their pad and paper and follow along at home yeah <laughs> <laughs> but yeah if you have a five kilowatt hour capacity let's say yeah. to make it more simple and you have a two and a half kilowatt power source let's say a generator yeah then you're going to be needing two hours because every hour you're going to put in two and a half kilowatts yep. Uh, yep. hours in there. I'm sure everybody can and do that one. That was pretty straightforward. So, yeah. Yeah, yes. And you have, if you have one kilowatt generator, you're going to need five hours to put in five kilowatt hours, obviously. Okay, but that still and, makes and sense then. Also, like, yeah. Like, and that's also a little bullshit detection kit for you when some companies make some strange claims for charging speeds <laughs> well yeah people are probably gonna have to start doing that sort of math more often when people talk about charging <laughs> speeds let's see if it actually equates or not but like that's but in that sense <laughs> yeah. where too where you're saying like the the, the you know if, if the generator had a 2.5 kilowatt output output it's it's their their two hours to do the charge that's still practical because yeah. you're probably going to ride for hopefully sort of the battery's going to be you know more than an hour of that sort of trail riding you're not. You're gonna wear yourself yep. out in, by that time, and in the battery, the the other one that you have would be ready to go for the afternoon ride or something like that. So, that's still gonna give you yep. a hell of a lot of riding time in in a in a weekend away sort of situation. Yeah, and and even if let's say one pack is is good enough for you, and then you have a solar array to not have let's say a generator, yeah. and that is gonna be much slower, obviously. Yep. But uh, you can just have the other battery kind of trickle charging comfortably through the day, and then every second day you kind of change batteries. If if you yeah, if you went on a longer like a, a week away sort of trip, and you're you're away from an outlet for that whole period, so that would work too. You could actually do it off a off a solar trickle charger. Yeah, and also a lot of new electric trucks like the Rivian and the Ford F one fifty Lightning yeah. now they have uh, outlets on them. Yeah. So basically, you're going to be able to charge the bike from from the truck itself. So then again, it expands your possibilities and you're not limited so much to where you have electricity available. Yeah. And it's funny, like obviously, since I've done this, this Stark introduction and, and wrote it and sort of got some of their, their information, obviously, people have been asking me about it and and in one one particular mm-hmm. scenario, you know, I was talking to a, to a guy who just does sort of, you know, rocks up to the motocross track. He'll do his sort of three lap, four lap warm up, and then he might do a fifteen or twenty minute moto, and he might do one more. Maybe he goes out for a third that's sort of, you know, ten minutes long. So we're not even at an hour in, in ride time, and he's not, you know, he's not yep. a professional level. And and he's like, oh, I don't know if it'll make it. I'm like, mate, you are going to wear out before this battery does, and you should be getting these bikes. You are a perfect scenario for it, um, because you know your, your skills in Spot maintenance on. and stuff aren't that good. Um, this this exactly works for you, right. but but people just have this stigmatism that I'll be able to outlast the battery. And I'm like, in what I've done so far, and what everybody's telling us on paper. No, you're not that fit, mm-hmm. you know. So the, I think the bikes are actually <laughs> going to be way more capable than what these, what most people yeah. are looking at them like. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but of course, uh, the big question is if the paper uh, claims will translate to real claims. Well, there, there is that. There I is that. Yeah, yeah. But but I'm I sure kind of that they'll be close. <laughs> yeah, they'll be close enough. Right. But like they'll still have enough. Like. 
Like I know the Stark was saying like that you could get through like a professional, you know, 30 minute plus two moto. So you're at like 40, 45 minutes. Um, and that's nobody, mm. hardly, hardly anyone's riding at that level. But then they're also saying like yeah. you know, sort of up to six hours of trail riding. Well, the majority of people can't ride yeah. for, for two hours trail riding. Like, you know, six <laughs> hours is a lot, really. If you're actually riding constantly for yeah. six hours, not many people are going to be doing that. So yeah. they're going to be covering that. And if even if they're... Even if they say, you know, they're a little bit short on their numbers and it worked out to be four hours, well, that's still a hell yeah. of a lot of riding time if you did it from start to stop stop without actually having any breaks in the middle. So Yeah, yeah. But but I'm gonna bust your chops with math again. Go on, Sorry, yep, go. Love it. Everyone. No, no, go. Uh, <laughs> so if you have six kilowatt hours of capacity and you're riding for six hours, you basically divide the two and you get an average power consumption on the battery of one kilowatt. So that means you're putting out one kilowatt out of the battery before all the losses, before it gets to the wheel. So you're riding with an average of one or even less horsepower. So whether that makes sense or not in the real world is a, a big question mark in my mind okay but i guess we'll see <laughs> so you're talking about the out like the actual speed you could ride then at that point like because if you're going to got one horsepower that's not much yeah 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 <laughs> most most uh 450s are at least in that 40 to 50 range these days you know the more more powerful ones are in the 60s so yeah that's uh that's pretty yeah, low yeah, one so one horsepower again, again <laughs> yeah so again it all depends a lot on how you're riding it and how much power you're actually asking the bike to put down to the ground uh we'll see we'll see the the range in in my opinion the range will remain the biggest barrier and issue with these kind of bikes uh, and that's precisely again why i repeat it's it's our main focus and we have some solutions to to work on that yeah nice so you sort of we we just touched on it there about like the output of of the you know the horsepower aspect and that was one thing that sort of caught everyone's yep. attention when these initial press releases particularly for the Stark when they have the two options into that mm -hmm. 80 horsepower range um you know and obviously it's all electronics adjustment so you can do these things really really quickly but what mm -hmm. what are you guys aiming as like the one i'm assuming you're going to have like a top range for for highest output that you would mm -hmm. put down as safe but what are you trying to work on as mm -hmm. the as the horsepower range for this bike that you would you know put down as the average and what's the top one that you're looking at for for your numbers so far yeah our idea is to not have two power versions is to just have one with all the power available okay uh because we're talking we're talking about peak power uh you're not going to be able to use that power in a constant way because well the you're gonna die oh yeah <laughs> so uh it's 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 just there if you need it for those short, short little bursts yep and then of course uh, you have the ability to connect with your phone and just limit the power to whatever you feel comfortable with. You know, you can limit it to 10 horsepower if you want, just by pressing a button or sliding a slider. It's it's that easy. So it doesn't really make sense for, for us to have uh, two versions. We're just going to have the one full power version. Yep. 
because uh, mechanically nothing changes. So we're not going to have two motors. We're not going to have two different inverters because it just doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. uh, so, and and for me, electronically limiting the power uh, artificially, and then kind of you know charging money to get that unblocked yeah. without having any physical changes to the thing uh it doesn't gel with my personal <laughs> vision yeah. of of what this should be so you're, you're a trustworthy so, yeah. businessman in that sense you're trying to just give the people what they have the access I to mean, already <laughs> no it just i mean it's just it i, I get i get the whole uh, digital product aspect of it yeah. and i do think that if you have additional features that you have spent time developing and money developing yeah. that they should be payable you know yeah but this this trend that we see with bmw and even with zero motorcycles where you have uh, like heated seats that you have to pay a subscription to no, that for me is, is a stupid move and I don't want to sign my name. <laughs> I didn't know that one. they had a subscription for the seats aspect, like to have them as a, as a heater. I haven't heard that one yet. I, I, don't know. I don't know if they implemented it, but they are trying to go in that direction. And Zero is really going hard in that direction. I, I know that Tesla opinion, has lots of subscription aspects to them. I don't know. I know they do for yeah, lots of things, but that seems that, that seems ridiculous to me. Like you bought the car, it has these functionalities. Like you're sort of saying, it should just have those functionalities. You shouldn't have to unlock it and subscribe to everything. I'm kind of a little bit over the subscription aspect of everything. You know, you've got to subscribe <laughs> to five different yeah. Netflix's type versions nowadays to to watch TV when you used to just turn it on and it was there. Yeah, and you're not the only one. I think that a lot of people are being fed up with this kind of uh, subscription uh, jamming uh, down our throats. Mm. And I think it's going to be start. It's going to start to manifest in the actual sales numbers of the companies that are trying to push this kind of things. But I think there is a big differentiator. So, for example, Tesla. Okay, yeah, you have the things you can buy, but it's let's say the autopilot you can buy and yep. yeah the hardware is there but the software there had to be let's say 2000 engineers that had to make that software you know so sure. yep. it makes sense for it to be payable and, and i can understand that but if you put some feature like uh windshield wipers you know and then you charge a service to use them where there was no development effort to make that software available it's just a restriction just for the sake of it mm -hmm. that's where i draw the line that's yeah that's fair my enough. Opinion. yeah yeah so you're just basically going to have the bike is as an output of is it 80 or what are we talking here for the horsepower and then that's just you just yeah. electronically on your phone go right i don't want the 80 today yeah. i want the 60 yeah 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 and then we're probably going to have a subscription service but uh, that is going to be for uh for updates and then in the future maybe if we develop some new programs that may augment the ride in some way uh we could go in that direction but again it's it's you can use the bike on its own and you have everything available mm -hmm. um if if you want you can subscribe to the updates where basically we have a team of people that are constantly making the bike better and then can they can update your bike over the air and make it better and that's it 
the subscription you're paying, it's not an arbitrary uh, restriction put on there, but it's you're basically paying for the work of these people that are making your bike better after you purchased it. Yeah, nice. Okay, so in in that sense too, is that like you're you're sort of going with like a a new model is just a as is just an electronic update, you know, via a download sort of thing at that yep. point. Yeah, yeah, that's a, another huge uh, advantage that gets opened up with electric bikes. So when we down the line make some optimization of the inverter, maybe increasing your range, uh, you know, we can do it over the air. If you have some bugs or some electrical issues, a lot of it can be diagnosed over the air. So again, a lot a lot of things get kind of simplified and basically the bike when you buy your bike it doesn't stop there it can still get better through the years that you are owning it and i think that is uh, an exciting proposition well that would be nice rather than just having to you know try and find a new new pipe or something to put on the bike like to make it make it better like that would be pretty cool just to go you know on the phone oh look version version two is now available sick let's get that you know and it changes this that and i get another half an hour ride time oh awesome yep downloads you know that'd be pretty sweet yeah yeah. and we also we're also pushing on uh putting in the hardware in it so again it's it's kind of similar to the to the tesla strategy where you're putting in hardware for some features that you don't have that you didn't develop yet so basically we put in the tools and then as time progresses when we develop the actual software to use those tools then let's say a year after we bought the bike you can have a new feature available that wasn't available before that's pretty awesome as well so if you're trying to future proof it and make it so this thing will be you don't have to buy five of them in five years to to keep up with the current model essentially aren't you yeah yeah that's one thing the resale value i think it will be helped in that aspect so so yeah it's basically improving the ownership experience and not just trying to milk the customer for more and more money <laughs> trying to buy a new go, nowadays go and buy a new bike and it's upgrades are grips and graphics and <laughs> and change the plastic shape yeah yeah it's I, you know we we can go down that path I, um I think a lot of bikes that there isn't really that much progress anymore. Uh, I think it's really it's really minimal. I think we're scraping the bottom of the barrel with gas bikes. Uh, I, I recently, I know not recently, but uh, some time ago, I had a chance to to ride a CR one to five from two thousand and four. Okay, yeah, with uh, with modern suspension. Yeah. And I was blown away. That thing was riding awesome. I was uh, faster on the lap than I was with my new stock 450. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, disappointing at that point, isn't good. it? That like something that old is actually still that good, but it's just a case that the technology. You know, you've developed a few more parts and a few better ideas on suspension and stuff for the valving and it's just as good still yeah i think, I think the, suspen- the, the suspension is the big thing that has really improved a lot for yeah, the years definitely yeah uh, aside aside from that on the motor side i don't think that we really made that much progress honestly no no definitely not but obviously these new 
the, the electric bikes are a lot faster from what I've ridden so far. So <laughs> it's a, a massive change yeah, in, in that side of things. And that's just the starting point, you know, with, with electrics, the technology is moving so fast forward and also through all the the money that is being thrown into cell development, the batteries are progressing all the time. So it's what what you tried was the starting point, and it's gonna be it's gonna become a lot better uh, in the future years. Yeah, well, if that's where it's starting, I, I don't really think it needs to get too much faster because I was happy where it was. So <laughs> I was blown away at that point. No, so yeah. Better. Yeah, it's going to get yeah, better. No, huh? It gets better on cost and range, on charging speed, on temperatures and so on. Yeah, no, it's 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 exciting proposition for where this could get to. Um, so, look, I've, mm. I've got a little note in this stuff from some of the stuff we spoke about last time that nobody's got to hear. Um, and I thought it's just come up where that is up to. You mentioned last time when we spoke that you guys are actually going to have a clutch um, with with the Flux. Mm. I'm hoping that's still yeah. in the, still the works, and I haven't stuffed that up somewhere. But <laughs> but, yeah. but um, talk about how that's going to actually work on an electric bike because we had this conversation when I was with the Stark guys because they don't have one on theirs um, at this point, mm-hmm. and and I was talking to them mm-hmm. about more from the aspect of the off road um, trying to you know pop over a log or, or pop up onto a mm-hmm. onto a, a rock shelf when you're from stationary point of view because it didn't have that same sort of feel to to you know load it up with the with the mm. with the plates of a clutch to then you know let it release quickly and 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 pop up as mm. such and I, I didn't have that same sort of feel but i was saying to them how would you even do it mm. and and they didn't really yeah. think it was v- worthwhile at that point um where are you guys mm. at with this side of things so yeah uh, to give you perspective uh my my starting point in in getting the requirements together for the bike was just talking to as much people as was physically possible mm-hmm. and i was basically spamming everybody in the forums on facebook and groups and wherever i could find them <laughs> <laughs> hey hey give me an answer yeah, on this <laughs> yeah yeah basically <laughs> yeah. uh because yeah i really want to be connected to to what the people actually want so um the the clutch is something that came up a lot yeah uh so we kind of envisioned a virtual clutch so a physical clutch uh is really problematic because it it takes a lot of space it hits up it it costs a lot and mm-hmm. let's not go in even into the recluse uh yeah. slash henson side of things you know yeah uh, it's it's a mess, and in an electric bike, it's a huge mess. So yep. that's that was uh, thrown out immediately. But then we said, what if we could mimic the function of the mechanical clutch virtually? So basically, we have a lever that is giving up the position uh, of the lever mm-hmm. uh, digitally, and then we have an algorithm in the control unit where it's basically making it function like a clutch lever so when you're if you're like full throttle and you pull on the lever it stops going forward and then if you release the lever it's gonna jump with with all the power that it has straight away but this isn't like a just an on-off switch at that point is it you've got like some sort of feel to the to the algorithm in terms of like a a progressive pressure sensor or something i gather as it works along 
Yeah, it, it's a, it's a linear sensor. So you have uh, the position known through for all the stroke of the lever, mm -hmm. and then it just becomes a question of how you want to set it up. So you basically can decide, okay, on twenty percent of that lever, I want to have all the clutch engagement. You can put in the curve of the clutch engagement. You can basically just kind of draw the line that you want your clutch to operate at. Oh, wow. And we also have a, yeah, yeah, it, it, it's really, I mean, digitally, you can do literally anything. Um, yeah, that's, that's now crazy. How that's going to work in, yeah, yeah. And, and how that's going to work, we're, we're going to see. <laughs> but uh, that might that might might be a solution to this conundrum that you pointed out and uh, we also have a, a patent already regarding the the virtual clutch and the regenerative uh, brake mm -hmm. and it's basically an algorithm um, for for its function uh, the patent for the function and a second thing we can do with that lever uh, if it's not used as a clutch, we can use it as a regenerative braking lever. So um, you're basically using the lever as a hand brake, mm. and it's putting out a digital signal to the motor, and the motor is braking your rear wheel instead of your mechanical brake, and that is recharging your battery. Oh, so as in it, you'd still have like the, the, the right foot, um, brake pedal but you're having an, a left hand brake is that what you're saying i guess in it's not breaking yeah. the wheel yeah, it's yeah. breaking the motor yeah yeah you have an active regenerative brake so uh again to use the the overused tesla example you know when you lift your foot off the throttle yep. the car brakes a lot yep and uh, that is basically the motors braking and and recharging your battery while, while they brake. Okay. Uh, with the bike, obviously, you, you can't put a lot of engine braking on there because it's going to be nasty to ride. Yep. <laughs> uh, but, if you, yeah. but if you have a, a lever that, that mimics a brake uh, in your physical field, it mimics a brake. And then it just puts out again a digital signal with which you break with your motor. It can basically, in theory, replace your rear mechanical brake, and you're basically recharging the battery. So on on, a, on the track, you're not going to be using it most likely. But let's say at a trail in ride, a would, yeah. or in a or or in a trail ride, you might say, "I'm just going to break with that one and kind of get a little bit more range out of the bike." So, will it make much difference in that that recharge point of view? Like, like you know, I'm assuming like for the for the mm -hmm. ten seconds on a downhill or something that you pull it on, maybe thirty seconds on a long one. When how much are we getting mm -hmm. out of that? Like, is it is it is it really worthwhile at that point? Yeah, again, it really really depends on uh, how how much you're going to be using it you know mm -hmm. true uh if you if you break a lot with your mechanical brakes and you replace all that braking with a regenerative brake in theory yeah it's going to make it's going to make a difference uh but if if you don't really use the brakes a lot i guess it's not going to be that much of a difference mm -hmm. and um if you're going to need to do hard braking, you're going to need the front brake anyway. So yes, it's it. The, the, I, I see the most use of it 
in an easy trail ride scenario so where you don't need hard braking where you can just opt to use the regenerative brake instead of mechanical brakes yep and you're also saving on brake pads i guess so it's hopeful yeah 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 extending that less maintenance aspect of the (laughs) of the bike (laughs) yeah Mm. yeah yeah you know maybe 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 but again we're we're gonna see how it works yeah it could someday replace your rear mechanical brakes so you get rid of a whole system basically you get rid of a lot of things that can go wrong and need replacement and unsprung weight on the rear wheel but we're gonna see if if it's feasible. Project for uh the, for the next couple of models to see if that disappears or not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Fair enough. All right. So look, whereabouts are you guys up to in this process? Like you're saying, the Primo is obviously this this pre-production bike. Is there one mm-hmm. sitting on the floor somewhere, or is there five that you're working on that you know to to sort of have a couple to go on one to go on test and the other one to you know do something else testing on or where are you up to have you ridden one yet have you seen one yet what what's the where are we at on this um seeing a primo in the flesh mm-hmm. yeah we are uh, on the last steps of um, of uh, rolling it mm-hmm. uh, so we released we le- released a email uh saying that we start uh testing in september uh, and yeah it's september it's now. september 8th so, yep so where are we up to <laughs> yeah so uh we're we're there uh the bike the bike is built it's basically electrical stuff that is still being sorted out like uh debugging inverter inverter pairing uh charging uh, configuration and stuff like that okay uh it's for for the first steps is going to be one uh, where we first confirm that everything is working as it should, and then uh, we're we're going to be building another one once we confirm that all the solutions are all right. Okay, so it's physically sitting in in a garage or, or a shed somewhere, and it but it hasn't yeah, run run yeah. yet. Then I gather if you're still waiting on a couple of pairing aspects or electronic aspects, it it hasn't actually run yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the motor has has been spun, but uh, the whole bike complete yep. uh, on itself uh, hasn't been running yet. Yeah, that must be just killing you sitting there watching that final sub couple of stages <laughs> before you can actually get on it and and actually see this this hard work that you've put in come to you know come to life. Yeah. Like that must be killing you at this point in time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's. Uh, yeah i'm grinding my teeth <laughs> so, so like are we talking like you know a couple of days away a couple couple more weeks like till till it actually you know you roll out the out the roller door and down the driveway and go hey look at this it actually took off and stopped and i could ride it back to the starting point like how how close are we yeah i think i think for that little rolling out of the doors it's it's week one um then to do really track testing is a couple of weeks okay yeah um so yeah we i i presume we're gonna be releasing like a video uh presenting it and 
and showing some ride footage in in October. Nice. I'll be definitely looking forward to seeing those things. It's <laughs> it's super exciting at that point, and I don't know how you guys are containing the uh, excitement from you know being so close. Like, geez, that that, that would be just. Yeah, I don't know how we walking around at that point, just with <laughs> so damn so damn close, but so damn far. So, yeah. It's it's hard. It's hard because you're always bumping into new problems that you didn't know existed before. You know, yep. it's it's a continuous learning experience. So some things are easier than you expected. Some things uh, set you back. Uh, so yeah, it's 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 hard to sleep. <laughs> uh, I'm probably losing hair, but you know, we'll we'll get transplants or something uh, you're in the right you're in that 30 you said 31 or something wasn't it 32 you're in that right age group to start losing it. it's just maybe a tiny <laughs> bit early you know so. <laughs> yeah well you know modern medicine will, will help me in 20 years probably hopefully it catches up yeah yeah we're gonna get big hair follicles or something i'm sure <laughs> so when when you do get to take this to the to the track hopefully and say like two three weeks whatever it is are you guys going to be like mm. trying to hide what this is from people are you going to just be like hey take yeah. a video of me riding past it's fine like no. what, are we, what are we doing here because like no. I, I really like the idea that somebody gets a leaked video at some point and get then spark some um spark some interest but obviously you guys want to keep some of this production tech in-house at some point so yeah. so how's this going to look for you guys is it is it a hidden project still uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, the first uh, the first tries are gonna be secret. We're gonna be renting the track, yep. and no public's gonna be there. Uh, just to kind of control uh, what what stuff comes out, because you know, with the first try, when you go on there, maybe something goes wrong. You never yeah, know. Of and then yeah. you know how media works. Something comes out, and ah, the Flux Primo sucks. You know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just like a little bug that you had to kind of put to check boxes in yeah and everything um, has that sort so, of yeah. process which is normal it's just people don't like yeah. to hear about it straight away so yeah it's yeah people don't understand yeah, so that this is first, normal first yeah so the first rides i'm i'm gonna make myself to kind of get a baseline going yep. through just the whole throttle response and and the various curves mm -hmm. and then we have uh, obviously more capable riders than i am to kind of take charge and uh work work on improving the bike okay itself and then and then when when we get kind of a good base working then we have uh public testing going forward uh so basically on our website you can sign up for a test ride and uh we're going to be choosing then not everybody is going to be able of course because there are thousands of people that signed up already thousands have but, you really uh, got that many yes yeah we got uh, that's 3, awesome. people now that's fantastic <laughs> yeah. that, that's a, that's really good I'm, I'm really impressed that that's ha that's happened for you guys and just so people know i've written this down it's it's fluxmoto.co is the website to sign up for that there's a very obvious link on there to exactly. to click to sign up so people head over to that website <laughs> while you're listening to this and and add your name to that list <laughs> yeah and there you can also uh like put a very early pre-order it's uh, no pressure we guarantee the refundability if you change your mind down the line mm -hmm. but basically what it brings is uh, you're going to be the first in line when they come up and uh, you're going to 
block your price at uh, 12,000, which is the current target price. Yeah. Uh, Euros we're, we're talking here, aren't we? Sorry? Euros or American dollars? What what, yeah. what um, conversion here are we talking? Euros. Euros, yep, Euros, cool. Yep. Exactly. Yep. Um, and you're going to have a little special edition to kind of thank the early believers to, to prop up our numbers. Um, you're getting me. I think I'm going to have to go put my name on that one. How much is the uh, like the deposit <laughs> down? I'm getting excited, it's, honestly. Uh, 50 the, euros. 50, is that it? <laughs> I think I'm definitely yeah, yeah. putting and, that and down. As I, <laughs> and as I say, you know, of, of course, nobody knows me and I could be just uh, stealing your money, but uh, <laughs> let's it's hope refundable. not. <laughs> yeah, but uh, it's refundable anytime. So you can just kind of put it there and see what happens. And if it's in one year, you kind of say, well, I want my money back. You're going to get your money back and that's it. So for those it's, people that uh, are putting that... So people that do put that down, right? Like what is your, because obviously people want some sort of expectation on when they're going to actually see that deposit come to a to a reality. What's the, the time frame yeah. for you guys that, you know, are we talking 2023, 24? Do you even have a date in mind yeah, yet? So in, yeah, so the plan is in 23 to uh, release the production motorcycle. Mm -hmm. uh, so the successor, the Primo. And then, of course, the whole, the whole media testing stuff, basically with where Stark is today. Yep. Uh, and then to start rolling out the bikes in uh, 224 okay. to customers. Yep, that's in in uh, in pre-order sort of terms. That's not that bad, really. Like, that's only, you know, what, we're 18 months away yeah, sort of thing, years. less than that. So, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And again, you know, it's it's fifty bucks, or you're just putting it there. So the, to to explain why is it there, why what's even the point of putting those fifty bucks? It's uh, because it helps us with our fundraising. Uh, mm -hmm. Because investors these days they want proof of traction as early as possible. Sure. Yep. And uh, people people putting actual money in there is the best proof of traction that you can have. So basically, that's that's helping uh, helping us helping you to get that bike out there finally so have you had many people do that 50 dollar deposit part like you said 3,000 have signed up for the test ride um what's the yeah, numbers on had, the, the uh, other bit we had um, we had a little over uh 200 people okay right nice yeah uh and yeah I, i'm i'm kind of happy with that considering that we did precisely zero marketing up to today we just released like those uh photos and a press release <laughs> i was gonna say like <laughs> you guys haven't brand. done much and i didn't think i'd noticed anything about the actual you know deposit side of things i, didn't, I knew about the test ride yeah. but i didn't know that you'd got up to yeah. that deposit point so that's you and you've got that many people already yeah. they're just the obviously the diehards following you guys with anything electric so <laughs> Yeah, yeah, because we also didn't want to be too pushy because it's, you know, so early in the process yep. that uh, I don't want to be the the classic Kickstarter campaign where they are really aggressively kind of trying to get as much money mm -hmm. from people as possible and then kind of, you know, 
the company goes bust and then uh you're out of luck you know <laughs> yeah definitely so well basically it, it's just kind of there you know if you want to do it it's there if you don't want to do it it's cool uh whatever floats your boat yeah definitely but it obviously like you said it helps you guys keep keep this thing rolling and and it gives people something yeah, to look forward us, to uh, yeah it helps us with the next uh steps uh and uh it's it's basically democracy <laughs> in in that sense you know because you're voting with your money that you want this kind of bike to to come to market yeah definitely and uh in, investors hear that kind of democracy the most and you know the whole game is to raise enough money to be able to really ramp up to uh production because that whole part is gonna be very expensive yeah definitely yeah that's a that's the big expense isn't it to get things started so but i I dare say that that number of 200 odd people that have put down the deposit if in two three weeks you guys put out a a video of the bike rolling out somewhere you know sneak peek sort of thing that's gonna trigger a lot more of those people coming to you guys popping down 50 bucks euro so yeah (laughs) you might have some marketing done there yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah and i i really want to keep it organic i don't want to put out any ads or stuff like that i just want real organic growth well yeah that's that's the paid for click side of things doesn't really work in in the in the practical sense so yeah what you i agree with what you're doing because that's i do similar things with with our own media stuff here i don't pay for pay for ads like that i just try and let it be an organic growth and People will share it based on the fact that they like it and they actually are interested in it. So yeah, it's you've got to do it that way because exactly. otherwise you're just getting false numbers. That's that's precisely right. Yeah, and then uh, when you actually build the bikes, let's say uh, in a tomorrow, mm-hmm. and it comes time to pay the full the full uh, asking price, maybe you get a cold shower, you know, because only ten percent of people are actually putting the whole money down and we definitely don't want to to come to that <clears throat> no well you don't want to build you know ten thousand bikes and then all of a sudden you only actually get three thousand people wanting them yeah yeah exactly <laughs> so where is there anything else that you you want to get across at this point like we've been we're about an hour and a half deep in talking electric bikes and 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 where you're up to what else is there that you you feel you need to get out to the people about about flux at this point in time well, gosh, uh, if you put me on the spot like that, I can't think. <laughs> yeah, I, I did just drop that one right there. We did run through a fair bit of stuff, but like we've we've covered sort of the battery, we've covered the the, yeah. the power, um, you know, where think, you're up I to. Think maybe the digital, the digital aspect of it, kind yeah. of excites me a lot. Yeah. Uh, because that's I think that's going to be the real driver of performance and usability going forward so the first obvious hurdles are uh mechanical and physical Mm -hmm. and then it becomes uh i think uh, a game of of software basically because you'll get you'll have all the power in the world uh you're presumably going to have enough range so then it becomes the question of putting the power down Mm -hmm. in the best way yep and again with electrics that is all completely curves uh on a screen right uh and 
I'm also excited about all the extra stuff we're going to be able to do. Like uh, we're already with the Primo, we're putting up a lot of sensors in the uh, control unit. Uh, so we get a lot of data that we might use going forward to kind of build stability programs that will help the rider, you know, so maybe in in a future day you can have the bike help you in the air to kind of level the bike out if you get out of control uh which also is a really neat thing with electrics is that you have one gear so if you kind of go in a nosedive you have a lot more margin to pick the nose up because the real the real wheel can spin up to top speed and if we're talking the other way around if your nose uh, up theoretically the wheel can even spin backwards to kind of help you get <laughs> that situation in control <laughs> it's all digital and and you you basically just it, it becomes a, a game of software of uh, how you're going to be uh, handling that and i think um, machine learning and uh, big data processing is going to have a big part in increasing the performance and usability of the bikes in the midterm. Yeah, that that um, the digital side of it, but also just quickly while I, while I remember this part of it, but that bit you mentioned about with the the leveling out of the bike in the air. When I if, if for the yeah. for the listeners that have heard me do the Stark um, episode for a couple of episodes back, that was one of the big things that I noticed straight away about the electric bike was that when you took off a jump and you did go. You know, nose up, nose down. The the ability for you to adjust the bike just by the you know the blip of the throttle or the touch of the rear brake, it was way more sensitive to adjustments than than what you're used to. Like you know, if you pull the throttle on to try and bring the bring the back down on a on a on a combustion bike, it does it, but it doesn't do it heaps. Like it, it it's not really yeah. like a you know a pivot point that would jump come back up level straight away. Whereas I felt like that was a an automatic thing like that you just touch the throttle on the on the stark and the electric bike and it would just level out perfectly really easily uh, it was a, a much different yeah. sensation from that that combustion bike yeah. feel for that so, particular moment yeah yeah and one aspect is the the wheel speed aspect that i mentioned mm -hmm. another is the actual gyroscopic inertia that a gas bike has because of all that rotating mass yeah. which kind of wants to stay in place and uh, then also you have uh, with with a lot of sensors and with the digital control uh, that an electric bike has then you can you can think of uh, all algorithms that uh, sense the terrain or you can have different characteristics of the bike on different parts of the track let's say one part of the track is sandy you have a bigger throttle response one there's an off camber hard corner you have a very mellow throttle response mm -hmm. and all of that can be done at 100 times per second basically so it opens up really a whole new world of possibilities to play around with it with with that side of things you just made me think of like like we keep going back and bringing up teslas but they're obviously they're the ones that have set the standard for a lot of this stuff but like you think about the teslas and that how they have all these cameras pointing out you know for like you know if something runs out in front of the car it'll, it'll apply the brakes and 
and that side of things or it'll, it'll keep you in the lane because it's monitoring by the camera that there's a, a white line that you're crossing or whatever that marks the, the center lane do you see that like yeah. do you see like these these electric bikes and particularly like yours you know having a camera or something on the front or the back of it looking at the terrain and then going oh look i can see that that's a a sand patch coming up i'm going to adjust my throttle um appliability in 0.5 of a second because it's going to need to be you know more aggressive in that point do do you see something like that like are we talking this futuristic honestly i don't no honestly i don't for for this kind of bike because um you can you can check out the horror stories of the tesla autopilot oh yeah 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 uh, there's weird stuff that happens there there are a lot of them and we're talking about recognizing uh, trucks and lines uh, forget about recognizing terrain you know and it's a car that costs 60,000 plus yep so mm-hmm. it's not a problem to put a lot of processing power on there because if you're going to optically be looking for patterns it requires a lot of processing power and it's just not feasible uh for a motorcycle at least not for an off-road motorcycle but for sorry for terrain sensing the best shot i see is uh, actually using sensors so basically the sensors uh, through the vibrations and through the response of the rear wheel compared to the throttle input and to the sensors that they basically assess what terrain you are using that actually rivian if you know them the electric truck company Mm -hmm. Uh, already has <coughs> sorry already has uh, such a system where they basically through the sensors and through the grip they assess what kind of terrain the truck is uh, uh, rolling on and adapt the truck to to the best set- settings for that terrain and uh, that's i think the best option also for off-road bikes and for for those kind of things uh, you really need a lot of data and a lot of good data uh, because uh, pattern recognition is a game that is played first by labeling a shit ton of data (laughs) (laughs) and um, that's why already on the first primo that is going to roll out of that garage we have all the sensors on there and it's accurate sensors because again if you use like smartphone sensors and stuff like that you're gonna be it's like measuring your piston with a ruler you know you're <laughs> not gonna be precise enough yeah. to get anything from it yeah fair so enough. we have all of that embedded uh, embedded in the ecu directly so it also communicates with the processor directly um and yeah so exciting times ahead <laughs> yeah definitely we should point out too along the way I, f- I think we sort of mentioned this but we we probably haven't covered it because we talked about it on the previous one um you guys are working out of a garage aren't you the four of you it's not a big project yeah. at this point you're out of a garage yeah yeah exactly yeah so <laughs> there are four dudes uh, with a dream <laughs> exactly and I, I love that part of that story when we t- spoke about it before i I, I just I look up to that sort of thing like you guys have an, have a vision in mind and you are trying to take down some pretty big um, you know companies in terms of that are existing in motorcycling and yeah you're doing it with something yep. completely out of the out of the world um, and brand new and yeah look, much admi- admiration from my side of things on this so yeah that's no, it's amazing um, 
yeah, thank you. I, I, I think it uh, it brings a different viewpoint to it. You know, you you bring in a lot more passion than maybe somebody who has uh, heaps of money into it, mm -hmm. uh, because it's really really important to you personally to kind of get this thing going. And uh, I don't think it's it's a huge limiting factor going down the line because uh what what's lacking in the world isn't really money what's lacking is uh talented motivated teams that can execute on tasks you know and then yeah. if there is a market and if you're able to make solutions that the market needs you're gonna get funding well yeah and i was just gonna say like if you guys with the four of you with the passion for the for the project prove that it's possible yeah your investment will come won't it so uh, the fact that you're in a garage to start with doesn't mean really anything um i think it's just a case of if you guys can practically make this make this function you'll be you'll mm -hmm. be there in, in no time yeah and i think it also speaks volumes to ourselves because we can't uh it, it's not like a little hobby or a game that we play it's uh I put my my savings into this, mm -hmm. uh, and I really, really believe believe in it. Basically, it's not like a little hobby move or a power play to become an overnight millionaire. It's uh, it's something that I care deeply about and uh, have this passion for 10, 15 years already. Yeah, and yeah, no, definitely, it's it's a fantastic story and outlook, and I, I can't wait to see it come to, to come to life. Um, I've, I've got two things that I've thought of um, as we've been chatting through this bit that we haven't really one thing that we haven't touched on specifically for, for you guys with the bike as such but the, the other conversation that comes with the electric conversation is is the weight of the bike have you guys got mm -hmm. any projections on that like obviously you haven't finished it but have you got a projection on what yep. you're aiming for for the weight of the bike yeah I think the Primo is going to be around uh, 115 kilograms nice so that's yeah i don't know what that translates to pounds yeah i'm not good on that side of things either i work in metric too <laughs> <laughs> uh, i've said a few so times on these yeah, things sorry, australia's metric yeah yeah, sorry. yeah. I, i'm using i'm used to speaking in pounds when i'm talking english <laughs> sorry <laughs> no no um, you know it works it works perfectly for me i know what 115 kilos is but yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah so i i think it's it's a fair it's a fair weight for the first you're, bike coming out of the garage you know yeah you're right in the ballpark uh, yeah that's a good spot yeah 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 and again the the whole transparency thing we're gonna be when it's all said and done when all the fluids are in it when it's completely as is gonna be driven on a racetrack we're gonna post a photo of the bike on a scale yeah nice so everybody can see that's the weight and that's it we're not gonna kind of just say you know on the website yeah we're gonna have a hundred kilos but to trust us you know it's think, gonna be a photo and i think this is why it. you've sort of made me a bit more excited about it as we continue to speak about it you the way you've thought of some of these little things like putting a putting a video up of you rolling the bike onto a weight plate and seeing the number you're just trying to in, in trying to think of things that people would have wanted to see already, not just blind trust that the number on the on the page that you've read for the spec sheet is actually correct. You know, because not many people can actually mm. weigh a motorcycle at, at their house. Like it's not something you've got the the usual <laughs> the, the scales that you can do. Like you've got a bathroom scale, but that don't usually work 
do well when you've got two pressure points. So, you know, like it's not easy. <laughs> so, but you're thinking, you're thinking yeah, of these things also, and you're making me trust in it and you're making me want to f- see it and, and yeah. you know, it's a real life, um, you know, project that you're, you're doing. You're trying to be open about it. It's, it's fantastic. Yeah, but also in general, I mean, when people have the bike at home, yeah, they can mostly weigh it, I guess. It's a little bit impractical, but they can do it. But my point is that especially in the EV space, you know, you have all these kind of startups coming out with claims of ranges and weights and whatever. And a lot of it, I mean, I would would dare to say that most of it is uh, crap. Yeah, it's Uh, bullshit most of it. Marketing hype. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, there you go. And uh, I'm really trying to steer in the other direction and build up a long-term trust because I believe uh, lies lies have speed, but the truth has endurance. Definitely, yeah, definitely. Well, on on that, the other thing that I thought of, and this is sort of then the negative viewpoint of, of electric, right? And I just want to get your opinion on something. So, and if he's listening to this, you'll know who I'm talking about. But a friend of mine, we've had a debate recently um, about electric, you know, technology and the battery technology, and he's carried on like mm-hmm. mechanic, right? He's carried on that, you know, ever mm-hmm. since he was an apprentice thirty odd years ago, it was electric was coming, you know, and he was going to be out of a job because there'd be nobody mm-hmm. that needed, you know, pistons changed and all that sort of stuff. And he's carrying on that it's not mm-hmm. it's not going to happen in his lifetime. And I'm like, well, I see it from what I've done with this, you know, this Stark test. And then you see all these other announcements of all these startups, yourself included. I see it as being more of a five to 10 when we'll, you know, we'll all be probably having one of these things in the garage. Where are you mm-hmm. at with this technology? How is, is, is my number, you know, that I just said there that five to 10 years and we all have something like this practical for you or or is his negative viewpoint that it's never going to really take off and it's never going to get anywhere is that where you see this you know like i I gather you're not because obviously you're making something like this so you you're going to be on the on the front end of this rather than his end but but what's your thoughts of that because there's lots of people out there that are like that where they they're thinking that this is never going to come to come to life and and actually take over what we know as motorcycling yeah, well, it's it's the same story over and over, isn't it? It's the same story from carriage to automobile. It's the same story from uh, uh, two-stroke to four-stroke, yep. let's say, in, in motocross. Um, and the, the easy thing about the people that rent these things is that for most of the time they are right up until to the point where they <laughs> become wrong. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> you know? Yep. Uh, it's it's easy it's easy you can always say ah, it's not going to happen it's not going to happen because yeah it, it takes a lot of time to get there but uh, I as I, I as I said before I think now we are literally standing on the edge of the cliff and and there is a big shift coming and not because again not because uh, Greta Thunberg is screaming at us but because there is a better, brighter horizon on the other side. Uh, I don't know, five years, I think it's premature. Okay. Uh, ten years, I would uh, dare to say, uh, yeah, at least for off-road, where it makes really immediate sense for an electric bike, I would, I would think so, because it's going to get increasingly hard to ride gas bikes because of all the limitations. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, 
I see a lot of new tracks coming up. They're going to be exclusively electric tracks and they're going to be closer to cities. So you're not having to put your bike in a van and drive a hundred miles away yeah. or a kilometer, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, it's just not going to make too much of a sense anymore to have a gas bike. I mean, there, of course, there are going to be a lot of people having them because they like the noise, because they like the vibration, they like to shift gears, they like mm -hmm. whatever, but it, it's going to be, it's going to be like you have, uh, like you have a bike from the nineties today, you know, it's not faster. You kind of ride it because uh, you kind of like to ride, uh, a legend bike it's nostalgic at that point isn't it yeah yeah and I, I completely understand that i mean i've driven 500 uh, two strokes and i liked it and in a future garage imaginary where i have 100 bikes uh, 500 <laughs> two stroke would be one of them for yep, sure yep um I, I i'm again i'm not about taking bikes away I'm about uh, putting up a new uh, solution that makes life better for everyone. Yeah, definitely. No, I think like I think that's the point. There is that you're not trying to take them away. You're just giving an another option that will move us, keep moving us forward in terms of you yeah. know technology and enjoyment and yeah. ability to ride in different so places. Your mechanic friend, I would say to him, uh, you're, you are right for the time being, <laughs> but you're going to be wrong very soon. Uh, but again, bikes, the bikes right now are not going to be, a, um, how do you say, a cure-all. There still are going to be some limitations like mm -hmm. on very hot days or in cold weather or even, as I mentioned, the range, I think it's going to be still a limiting factor for some people. Yeah. So it's not like it's going to completely take the market over by storm tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, but uh, as I said, it's a starting point and uh, it's going to improve, I think, quite quickly in the years to come. And uh, the in, in 10 years, I fully see it being dominant on the market. Yeah right. Well, I might I might adjust the uh, the calendar reminder that I put in my in my phone for five years time. I might move it out to ten, and then that way I can roll into his garage on an electric bike at that point and be like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know. So, well, you're gonna be able to do that quite soon. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm hoping yeah. it's sooner than that. But yeah, I'll put it there for ten at as at worst as the reminder point to say, hey, you remember this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm looking at like a whole complete outlook because even if you look at cars and cars are at least five years ahead of motorcycles, yep. uh, still most new cars being sold today are gas-powered cars, you know, or diesel-powered cars. They if are, they, but, ever, but ever since, um, pretty much ever since I went to this Stark test in, in May, um, since I've gotten back, yeah. I don't know whether it's just I'm, I'm alert to it now, but... The amount of Teslas I'm seeing over here is ridiculous, and I'm like, well, like I live rurally, so I'm not, I'm not exactly right next to a, you know, main city with, with um, charging, you know, stations and stuff, and and they're traveling around out here, and I'm yeah. like, something's shifted, and that's what made me think that this thing was happening a lot sooner than it, than it, you know, possibly might look like from previously. Like I don't know whether it's just like I said, the fact that I've I've been exposed to it and I'm talking to people about it a lot more now that I'm, I'm witnessing it, you yeah. know, that, that, that bias that you yeah. get all of a sudden or, or whether it's just the case that it is actually moving that way. But I, I know that it hasn't, 
it hasn't you know flipped to the other side where there's the predominant purchase but i can see it coming yeah, yeah the momentum is, is strong i mean tesla's doubling their sales year on year that's crazy yeah and um I also think for us, we have uh, a lot of years of expansion ahead of us because we are basically taking more and more of the guests powered market. And that's why I also don't really see, yes, yeah, Stark, I guess, is a competitor, but I almost see them as a partner in making this change happen because it's going to take more than one company to really shift the thing forward. Uh, there's going to be, you, you're going to need a lot of bikes out there for people to kind of start thinking of opening checks in the cities and stuff like that. And I also believe we're going to have a lot of pushback from traditional companies in the racing side where they're not really keen on letting us uh, come there and maybe beat them, you know? So yeah. we're going to need, I think, to work together and kind of make our own group and be stronger in, in numbers and uh, kind of push uh, this thing forward. Yeah, well, I think like that's exactly the, the, the right point there. Like you're going to need numbers to, to show that it's, it's working, but also like, yeah, if Star comes out and they, like, they're supposedly go, having some races in, in, I believe it was in Britain, um in september mm -hmm. that they're going to actually start racing against gas powered bikes i'm assuming that's still going ahead but that's mm -hmm. what they told us at the launch um you know if they win and stuff or do really well that's great but if you guys then turn up you know six 12 months later with a bike and do similar things and mm -hmm. and then it shows that there's multiple brands that are now you know on level on par or better than the gas powered that's when things mm -hmm. will start to shift but there will also be at that point too if there's multiple brands there'll be push back to separate classes because the gas powers can't keep up and yeah you're yeah. going to need to have more than one brand to prove that it's it's viable and and to for you to essentially to stick together and you know almost unionize to say hey we need to do this you know make a push with together sort of thing so yeah 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 because again in the grand scheme of things we are still incredibly small fish compared to the huge established uh, manufacturers and also to to the uh, petro petrochemical uh, forces that are behind bigger political decisions yeah definitely uh, so so yeah we work I think I see us working together and as you said you know one bike beats it it's a fluke two bike beats them it becomes people start to pay attention and yep. yeah and where I really see a big proliferation is when people are actually going to have these bikes at home and other people can try them yes and people can see that they are safe that they are reliable that it's not gonna burn down their house when they're charging uh, overnight <laughs> and uh and that's basically we can produce them uh, reliably again we return to alta you know making prototypes is relatively easy you know anybody can do that but there's a huge grand canyon then on the next step to actually build them in mass production yeah uh, reliably and have them also in the market be reliable and that's I think it's really incredible that Alta was able to do that uh, straight up being a complete novice uh, so my hats off to them 
and we also have uh, some people from their uh, from their engineering team kind of helping us and consulting us uh, on our way. So I'm really happy to have that kind of talent uh, rowing my boat. Yeah, that's fantastic that you've got some, you know, existing knowledge there from those guys because that would, you know, like you said, you're running into problems, little problems all the time that you've got to solve to make it continue to work. And hopefully they've, you know, kicked you past mm -hmm. a few of those, you know, in the early days as well too. So, yeah, it's a... Look, it's yeah, a massive but, project but, but you've got going mostly, for yourself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mostly, mostly, I'm I'm leaning on them for the second stage, which is uh, mass production, because there they really had some really. really oh yeah, yeah. yeah we, we think we just I think we just had a drop out there. Like, we'll, we'll keep going. I'll cut that yeah, section yeah. out. But yeah, so you're saying you're you're leaning on Alta um, for uh, some. I gather the the production side of issues that they run into. Yeah, yeah, the the production side, yeah, because that I in my view that is a far bigger challenge than the prototype itself, and also I guess the technology has moved forward from alter times for the prototype, so mm -hmm. it's not terribly relevant in that sense, but their solutions for uh, mass production, uh, quality control, and uh, also the safety of the battery pack, which is a very very important. Yeah. Uh, aspect that is not as easy as it might sound uh, they had some really really good solutions there and of course if i can stand on the shoulders of giants i try to do that as much as possible why not use the knowledge that's already been found yeah exactly so yeah no definitely it sounds like you sounds like you're using all the tools you have available which is fantastic and look, like i said it's a massive project you got in front of yourself but um I'm quite blown away by the fact that you've taken it on one, just the four of you, um, and and two that you, you're getting there. Um, it's it's fantastic, mm -hmm. and I just can't wait to see what the end project ends up being and looking like and feeling like and and what it does to the to the world of motorcycle riding. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I mean, the, hearing that people are excited about what we do is is the best motivator. I, I can think about it really helps drive forward when it's two o'clock in the morning and something isn't working and you're kind of having to push through it. Yeah, definitely. Well, and look, I appreciate, I was just thinking that, you know, we're, we're almost two hours deep, but it's also 1am pretty much <laughs> at your time. I appreciate that you've got, you stayed up yeah. late for us. I know that you guys work on a bit of a different time schedule over there. I was blown away by the by that that when I was in Spain that how late everything was but um I realized it's still late from it sounds late for me and everybody else listening that you're up at 1am talking to us about a project that you've got but it might be the case that that's the only time yeah, you've Slovenia, got so uh, yeah in Slovenia it's not so so much late working it's it's quite standard but uh for us it is so yeah yeah <laughs> and also for me personally the the night I mean through the day we would have a huge challenge on getting two hours to be able to talk but uh, if you're talking about late night hours like this, I'm, you know, either I'm answering emails or I'm talking to you. So yeah. it's an easy choice to make. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> no, well, look, I appreciate it. And I, I think that when we get this out, I'm hoping to get this out in the next, you know, later today, basically. Um, I think you're going to find that there's a few people that are looking for this information from you guys that like those 200 people that have put down deposits or the 3000 that are on your mailing list. They're going to be interested in hearing yeah. what you've had to say about the bike and how the progress is going. And I really think they're going to get a lot out of this. Um, and, and I hope it just spurs some more interest in Flux for you guys. 
Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, it's been a pleasure talking to you and uh, really appreciate you making the call and uh, talking to me. No, no dramas at all, Marco. Appreciate it as well. All right, we'll wrap it up there. Thanks for, thanks for your time. Yeah, thank you. And uh, I really hope you uh, recover from your injuries as, as <laughs> soon as painlessly as possible. Yeah, well, look, I'm hoping to be recovered shortly so that I can, one, get on back on bikes, but two, I want to start getting on a few more of these electric bikes. So anytime you need a test rider, just, just sing out in about two months. <laughs> I'll be good to go <laughs> <Perfect>. then. <laughs> Your timing is great. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, no, awesome. All right, Marco, I'll leave it there. Thanks for your time. Okay, thank you. Uh, have a good day. Thanks, mate.